Well, hello everyone. Welcome to today's special gathering. We have Tim Hill, Tim Whitham, and Leon Jennings. How are you guys? We're all good, We're thanks. Good. Yeah, all good. Good, good, perfect. Well, uh, thanks for joining me. Um, obviously, we do these uh, calls uh, uh, once a week, every Wednesday, and uh, you could have been uh, quite great supporting the channel, supporting the whole community that we have. Um, so, what's uh, what's been on your mind? Like over the last uh, few days in terms of the political issues and everything else? Hancock springs to mind. Um, yeah. Yes. And Well, two words. Uh, one is Hancock and the second one is pantomime. Yes, okay. Something tells me this whole thing was orchestrated. As soon as Donald, Donald Cummings said what he said, um, they had to find a way out. And I think this was it. And Yeah, yeah. no, I, I do uh, know what you mean because uh, it did seem a bit organized uh, all the stuff that came out about Hancock um, over the last few weeks it started very slowly uh, and, and it was very consistent stuff about how he hid the positive data from the prime minister and all the other stuff that came out and then the, the last one was very it, it was it seemed very um, uh, again I was going to say planned but yeah basically it was that they knew what was going to happen or when to leak it and all that uh, to be fair the outcome uh, has been quite interesting because um um, of course, with the new health secretary, uh, Sajid Javid, uh, he has to, the first job he has, his honeymoon period, is to be the hero. So he's going to be uh, lifting the lockdown measures. Um, but interestingly enough, all the other people around the government as well, they are also finally shifting their positions. Like Chris Whitty came out to say uh, that uh, we just have to live with it. I'm going to push the prime minister to uh, lift the lockdowns. And uh, don't do any lockdown, just move on. Definition of words, my definition. Yeah, exactly. The definition of Brexit means 52 million different things. True. Uh, I think they're just going to ease some measures. And when mm. they mean live with COVID, they mean yeah. live with... With a face mask. <laughs> with a face mask, children being tested every day, mm. no travel, mm -mm. Et cetera, et cetera. No, no, to be fair, I, I do... Um, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on this because um, they keep talking about removing some measures and certain things that they say the one main thing that i want them to confirm that they are removing is the test and trace system there's been no discussions about the even the possibility of eventually not using test and trace um because that's the main thing that's the main part of uh um everything around the measures because uh, that's the that's the core um kind of system that we have uh, so what do you think tim um, hill well, just, just going back slightly, on, on the, the Hancock thing, mm. there, there's an even bigger question that needs asking, is how did they get that video footage in the first place? Are they aware that those, let's say, uh, surveillance cameras are there? Mm. It seemed um, quite and, obvious and big enough to, in, the, in, in one of the photos, so you must be blind yeah. not to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps, perhaps they only. Uh, and the other big issue for me is that you you just can't trust a bloke that cheats on his wife or on his oh, family. Yeah. And 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 uh, my mind, I think Boris missed a, a slight trick. He should have sacked him as soon as it came out. However, having said that, I mean Boris lives in a glass house and shouldn't be throwing stones, yeah. which is probably <laughs> yeah. why that's one of the main well, that's, reasons. That's <laughs> he, he suggested to. Um, Hancock that he resigns. 
yeah, I think you're right. I, I, I mean, to be fair, I didn't think about that until now because uh, um, if the sacking was going to be based on the affair, that's separate and it's difficult for Boris. <laughs> if it's going to be based on the, the social distancing measures being broken, I think a lot of the people at the top would struggle to, of course, they would condemn it, but like they can't really yeah. uh, like make a complete move because I have a feeling every single one of them uh, are in fear every day because they think that someone has evidence of them at some point over the last year or two breaking the social distancing measures so they will come across as hypocrites well to be fair boris johnson did it a month ago at the g7 in cornwall so <laughs> so that was basically already happened anyway well, there was uh, so a report on gb like... news today saying that um people are seen going into number 10 wearing masks walking up the street and as soon as they're walking through the door the mask is off before the door's <laughs> even shut <laughs> It's embarrassing. So they're not they're not obeying anything in in number ten at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think, Tim Whitham, from Seattle? Well, um, I mean, I've been following it as best I can. Obviously, it, it's not really in the Seattle area news very much. Um, I have seen the video footage. It looked very staged to me, mm-hmm. yeah. like yeah. they knew they were being filmed and that it was something deliberate. Um, I did just watch uh, Prime Minister's questions and the the PM got hammered by uh, Keir Starmer on it. And to be perfectly honest, he wasn't very good, um, Prime Minister. So, uh, I mean, he completely lost mm. that debate. I don't know if you guys have, have seen it, but... It's quite odd because I mean, he's had a few days to prepare for that. <laughs> he knew what was going to come. Yeah, but... I know. <laughs> it just... Um, I mean, this is where, in in a way, Keir Starmer is at his at his best, but nobody really watches PMQs, I guess. So um, mm-hmm. well, they're not really going to see. What's that? I sat and watched it today, and I, I, I just get the feeling that every single week, mm-hmm. Keir Starmer just misses a trick. He gets yep. on one subject, and, and he mm-hmm. wastes six questions on yep. that on that subject that that nobody really cares about. No, you're absolutely right. I think the, the biggest issue for Starmer and the Labour Party is that they, they keep missing, um, not, not on goals, their open goals and all that. And it's, it's very, very obvious that he's more similar to Ed Miliband in terms of leadership. than Like, uh, like Muller last night? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> basically. Uh, Leon, you're going to say something. I was just going to say, I think Keir Starmer is, um, I, I don't think he's anyone's fault. I think he's a very intelligent man. He's very and forensic. Dis- and dis- yeah. mm, despite <laughs> what's coming out in the media, I think he knows exactly what he's doing. Right. He's keeping the opposition in a non-opposition opposition state. Right. Just safe. Play it safe. Yep. So this charade can mm-hmm. carry on. That's an interesting analysis as well. Um, um, I mean, if, if, he's not stupid. Been... He's not stupid no, and he, he knows he, what people are saying not. about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. He's definitely not um, uh, um, stupid. That's why, you know, it makes you think, it, is this plan? Yeah. Does he know what he's doing or is it just accidental? But yeah, you're right. Because, you know, if you were someone that would be obviously uh, not intelligent in terms of political prowess, then uh, that would be normal. Like, well, yeah, the guy's immature. Uh, but no, he doesn't seem that amateurish anyway. Yeah. So it is quite interesting because the Labour Party are also going through this weird phase again, which is... Uh, uh, just on the day when the Matt Hancock stuff came out, that morning, Don Butler and the Corbynistas were plotting against Starmer. And then so about 10 minutes, the media were talking about that. Then Hancock came out and then everyone completely forgot about Don Butler and the Corbynistas. Now you had 
the, the only attention that the Labour Party received over the last couple of days, apart from today's PMQs, was yesterday when Angela Rayner was there being interviewed on radio, I think, and uh, she was uh, talking about uh, Sajid Javid, and uh, she twice she called him Sadiq Javid, <laughs> and <laughs> it, it had accidental racism. <laughs> and, and imagine if the um, if it were a right winger saying it, the outrage that you would have received from the left and the mainstream media would have been absolutely like massive and loud. But I think Freud may have something to say about that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. So. Uh, we we accept and we just find it funny and we say I oh, obviously she probably doesn't mean it and she's she's also quite uh, you know how she speaks and she's you know she doesn't really think <laughs> much before she speaks and it's <laughs> it wasn't intentional I, I I don't think and I it's a uh, it's, yeah it's just been, been more of ignorance rather than like you know mainly kind of being malicious uh, but again if it was like the other way around the the prejudice and judgment from the other side would have been so obvious um i mean uh, tim Whitham, you you're you're in the us and these sort of things happen a lot when it comes to the well the left or right uh, the hypocrisy double standards uh, if if a right winger says something like this they will get completely destroyed by antifa and all the others um so yeah what's your take on this because obviously you've experienced that side well i mean the seattle area is very difficult for for me to mm. to live in politically right now and uh the whole of the past month has just been uh, rainbows and unicorns, to mm. quote your favorite phrase, uh, <laughs> Maya. So, um, y- you know, it's, yeah, I mean, if you, if you, um, yeah, there's just constant censorship and mm. um, cancelling and, and yeah. everything. Uh, I mean, actually, the, um, the headline in the Seattle Times today virtually accused the son of being uh, racist in all the heat that we've been having. It's been affecting wow. uh, low income and yeah, you know, people more than anybody else. So wow, you know, yeah, I mean, it is quite difficult because uh, even the sun can be cancelled. Well, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> Everything's going to be cancelled eventually uh, at this um, rate. But well, I think that there has to be a fight back. And to be fair, when it comes to this sort of stuff, and because we were talking about the whole Angela Rayner stuff, and then also the the divide, the cultural wars, and everything else. At this rate, someone like me, I'm I'm, I'm sitting in the middle, and at times people who are leading the, the loud figures from both sides they're both wrong and they're both provoking each other and they're making things right. much worse and worse and that's the problem and then uh, people in the middle uh, are also being attacked and they're being called ah you're you're basically in the center or you're on the fence or but it shouldn't be like that uh, because you know firstly you could completely be anti-woke and anti uh, well this cultural marxism mentality is coming up again um but doesn't mean that the, the tactics that you use to counter it uh, could still be different. And that goes back to, you know, if you're into chess or military uh, uh, kind of uh, tactics and strategies that, of course, you could still have the same aim, but you could use it differently. So that right now, a lot of the, the conservative side, especially in the US, trying to fight back against the woke culture, they're making things worse. And then the other side, the, the good people from the progressive uh, liberal side, you know, some of the more reasonable sides, um, they're also not helping because uh, they don't really realize that they're just um, m- making things worse by just uh, just targeting people individually. And I think that's the, the problem we have. I don't know what you guys think. I think there's an ultimate irony in here because you, you hear the word non-binary mm. and, and alarm bells start to ring. But the actual en- enemy is the fact that they're trying to keep politics as a binary choice, yep. you're either red or blue. Yes, you're either left or you're right, and the two never the twain shall meet. 
And I yeah. think that's that's the issue. And as long as they got us poking each other's bears, yeah. then the people in power, and by that I don't mean the politicians that we see, are continuing to run things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think this tribalism, which is a human thing, so we, we've always had it since we were born, yeah. you know, since caveman days and all that. That's all point of, you know, part of survival. Uh, initially it's about survival instincts as an, as an individual that's the individualism part of it but then in order to survive longer term you need a smaller tribe a friend and then a family and partner and then obviously yeah, yeah. bigger family and then your neighborhood and then obviously smaller village town city country continent and then planet so and everything is tribal um it's just how you as how humans uh, balance the tribalism versus not just individualism, just logic. And that's the problem. You're absolutely right. Uh, whilst, until they uh, are able to comp- just distract uh, ordinary people and the voters to, uh, by making them focus on tribes, Team Blue, Team Red, and things like that, the people who are running the things in the, uh, behind the scenes, they could just do whatever they want. And so people think, and they think, well, people are just talking about or take Tories and Labour, Democrats or the Republicans, uh, and not the main issues. And that's the biggest problem that we currently have, that we're not really discussing the real problems. It's basically like uh, football teams. And ironically, because we had the uh, England-Germany game last night, <laughs> and uh, what a good day. And uh, yeah, uh, I, I saw a lot of tweets uh, saying, the, uh, people saying, oh, don't make football political. I'm like, okay, firstly national uh, tournaments <laughs> it's it depends firstly what you mean by political if you mean political in terms of the 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 tribes of a uh, banter tribe sovereignty and flag and obviously country uh, that's the whole point of national tournaments and football um it's just like it's, it's the same tribal level. religion i think yeah well i mean the, the, yeah it depends on the, what who's playing who and yeah what level and what um what the agenda is um and it's the same to be fair with the local football clubs like for example when there's like in this like east london got the two clubs um and one is like uh, north of the river one south of the river it's just the banter because of the geography as well the local derbies um but it's when they, when they say don't make it political yeah but don't make it political in terms of ideologies um, i agree with that so don't bring in blm and don't also bring in the other side uh, so just like avoid politics in terms of ideologies but you can't avoid banter of you know the national tribes because that's the whole point you say i'm I'm german i'm english i'm going to support my team otherwise what's the point of supporting england go support italy <laughs> uh, tim hill we can say something yeah I, I, i'm probably one of the only people in the country that didn't watch the football how dare you and one of the questions <laughs> well. I have is that did they take the knee at the beginning i should miss the first they did both. yeah both sides did. both sides did so okay that's yeah, what they because... should take out of it Yes, they that's, the, that's that. the ideology. That, that's, yes. that's one of the reasons I don't watch it. I mean, I don't watch football anyway. Yeah, I can't stand the game. I'm a, I'm a rugby <laughs> fan through and through. I, um, I don't get rugby fans. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, Mike. You've just gone down now. <laughs> oh, oh, God, the divide has been. <laughs> oh, well, I, you know, the, tribal, the tribalism in, 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 in football is, mm. you know, I, I feel really home in, in that. Yeah, uh, but in the United States, they're really trying their best to uh, weaken all this. Right. And, well, with and, NFL. Yeah, well, NFL is is um, is interesting because all the fans mix together of the two teams, and so they basically mm-hmm. they love the game yeah. more than they love 
their own team playing it. I know it's more, uh, it's, and it's mostly team. become commercialized anyway. So it's, it's not just about the the tribes and yeah. hating each other, attacking each other in the streets. <laughs> um, but for my my team, the Seattle Sounders in in footballers, mm-hmm. our football. Yep, yep. Uh, the last couple of years have been pretty difficult because I mean politics has just been introduced into it uh, from the top yep. of the club down to the main supporters group and you know that that um, the effect of that is it, is it draws people into being either more fanatic or mm-hmm. withdrawing and I've experienced a huge withdrawing from my favorite team unfortunately because of the politics right. I don't like it you know I don't like the Antifa flags I don't like the yep. you know all the other politics yep. that come into it and you know, some of it was just like another front against Trump over here. Sure. So, sure. Um, you know, I mean, how many fronts did they need against this guy? I mean, <laughs> you know, and, and then they introduced it into football and it was really, it, it was difficult because it was unnecessary. Yeah. You know, keep politics out of it. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. And I think, yeah, there, there is an issue. To be fair, when it comes to um, football or soccer, uh, <laughs> is a, uh, uh, apart from very, very rare and one-off situations of politics, like taking the knee, um, the problem with football is not actually the, the politics being inside it. Uh, it is actually the, the tribalism of football. Uh, generally speaking, it's actually that what that's what makes football beautiful. Uh, otherwise, yeah, that's boring. healthy. Yeah, exactly, healthy. and that doesn't really make it bad. And so the people who are, are especially basically, it's the left. It's not. Um, the non-football fans uh, like Tim Hill who are attacking it for that reason <laughs> it's actually the people who don't uh, uh, the, it's the people who actually understand and like football but you know now they've become woke and now they're saying that we should uh, take out tribalism out of football and like, well, then what's the point of it <laughs> it's, right. it's, I'd rather just watch chess <laughs> it <makes no> sense. <laughs> um, so it, yeah it's a, it's a bit of a weird thing but it is what it is at this point um, we, we've reached a point where I'm going to ask you guys to ask me any question that you have from me? So who wants to go first? Well, I got one about the what's going on with the uh, the UK US travel because I keep reading reports. I mean, it seems to me that the uh, uh, this is all politics and that the Biden administration does not like the UK because there doesn't seem to be any cooperation on opening up the border. Yep. Well, I think yeah. From my understanding, is that there's a bit of a problem with the the White House on this because. Firstly, there's a bit of a challenge between the federal and all the different states because all the different states are now like some of them are rebelling and want to have their own, obviously, sovereignty on this issue. And uh, so, like, you know, for example, obviously, like there's a, states like Texas, who basically un, um, lifted a lot of uh, measures or didn't have some of them from the beginning anyway, um, if they have the power, they would just make it easier to travel and go back and forth as opposed to like California. <laughs> uh, but the problem here is... Uh, it's not really just the US government, it's uh, the uncertainty. And well, even in the UK government and all the others have made things confusing, even for themselves, with all this traffic light stuff, with all this, uh, are we going to, this is one area of the pandemic, uh, oh, it, well, basically politics in general, because I'm usually against blanket ban policies, black and white, just uh, kind of just a broad umbrella thing. But if you're going to say, like a year and a half ago, two years ago, there is a big problem, pandemic global health crisis uh, so what do we do the one thing that all countries and governments could do and even just individually is a blanket travel ban and then a blanket on lifting the travel ban um we didn't do that in the first place 
And then we, what we did was we did the blanket ban full lockdown in the country itself, but then it's still people coming in. I'm like, oh, why is the virus still coming in? Well, because the borders are still open. And now that the, the reason is confusing is because of that, because they don't really know how to deal with it. I'm actually going to uh, Spain um, on Friday. Uh, well, uh, Abida, not really proper Spain. But, so you're you know, going to Belfast, Maya. No, so ah, oh, so yeah, you saw the video. So basically, the, um, I've already been to <laughs> so the 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 spoiler thing. I've already been to Belfast. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've recorded it. I'm gonna post it tomorrow. Night. Um, well, I'll okay. post it on Friday. Um, but uh, uh, I was supposed to be going to Greece on Friday. It was amber already, and obviously amber. They say you know, we recommend you not to go, but obviously did a, a test and all that. Uh, but the, the Greek government banned it, so they cancelled our trip. So we're now going to Ibiza uh, Friday, but it's going to be confusing. Leon? I was going to ask, and you don't have to reveal because it can be sensitive, but do you have more than 500 people paying into your um, setup? If you do, mm -hmm. does that make you an executive with uh, financial controls over more than 500 people, therefore making you exempt from quarantining? Wait, so the answer wow. is yes, I do have more, uh, a lot I more. guess so. So wait, well, so... Wait. They, they said that business executives right. are exempt from travel quarantining. Well, isn't, so, that, isn't that like 500 in terms of staff members? Or uh, I think it was uh, determined as uh, affecting financially 500 people or more. Like like clients or basically subscribers? Can you, imagine there being a, can you imagine a single judge in this country than <laughs> any other actually arguing against the fact that you have 500 people or more yeah. and therefore you're an executive that's quite interesting <laughs> i didn't know that I'm gonna do some well, yeah. although, although i be there is now green list so I, I don't actually have to quarantine although i might be forced to do it if, if the test is positive uh which is which is quite silly because the problem is uh, I've, I've had the first jab the first dose and uh, but the second was not until august uh, and uh, especially yesterday, because I was out in London, big crowd. You never know. I might, like, again, be a carrier. You might carry it, uh, but doesn't mean, you know, I'm going to die. Uh, and uh, But also the tests sometimes have false positive. That's another fear. So, you know, you plan, you pay the trip, hotel, hold the hotel and flight, you get there. And then in the airport, you're like, oh, so I'm going to have to basically quarantine because... I, I can't prove that this is false positive, but I promise you, I don't have COVID, but you can't prove it. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's a really difficult system that we're dealing with. Basically, I shouldn't really go on holiday right now because it's too complicated, but I just need to get out of London. <laughs> I understand mm. that, but it's the, the system set up deliberately. I, I remember my days as a police officer and right. um, the evidence and proving things comes to mind. You know? And one thing you can't do is prove a negative. Yes, it's yes. virtually impossible. Exactly. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's like it's like asking someone to prove that the, uh, God doesn't exist. Well, how do I prove that he doesn't exist? Yeah. <laughs> you have to yeah. prove that he does exist. Can't prove a negative. No, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Um, uh, any other question, Tim Hill? Yeah, did you see the... Um, I just saw the clip of George Galloway being interviewed by the BBC. Right. And the whole piece was a party political broadcast for the Labour Party oh. by the BBC. Oh, really? And, yeah. I don't, I don't know whether you've seen the clip or not, but George Galloway was, was really on the offensive, taking right umbrage to, to having his message mm -hmm. interrupted constantly right. with him 
taken away votes from Labour voters. Ah, so basically the the yeah yeah the uh, the interviewer the way they were phrasing the questions was basically focusing on the battle. Oh, they weren't phrasing the questions. They were saying, "Do you think that you're going to be taking votes away from the Labour Party?" Wow. Uh, and yeah, the whole sort of two and a half minutes of this interview yep. was literally plugging the Labour Party yep. by the BBC. That's a bit which odd. is another um, another reason to defund the BBC. To get oh, yeah, exactly. Because this is the sort of thing, as you were saying in my head, uh, creating like, like an example, it would be more normal for, to have like CNBC in the US having that conversation with a, a, a an independent candidate who's taking away the votes from a Democratic candidate. And then they ask, obviously, because they're left-wing media, so they will ask, oh, do you not think you're taking the vote from the Democrats? Yeah, but the BBC are not supposed to be like CNBC. They're, they're, they're not even supposed to be like Sky News because of the BBC charter. Um, so they have to be extra impartial because that's how they were created. So it makes no sense that they get away with all these things. And it's really weird that there are all these campaigns, you know, defund the BBC, or expose the BBC. There's like it's been historically a lot of anti-TV license campaigns, a lot of social media campaigns and accounts that expose the uh, BBC's uh, hypocrisy every single day. Yet, nothing's been done about it. And I'm, when I say nothing's been done, I'm not necessarily, oh, the government's getting rid of the TV license and reforming it. Not just that, but the, the in terms of the BBC executives feeling the pressure to be forced to change a bit themselves. They're not even like, they don't even care. They're not even changing. Um, even um, the Met uh, the, the, and, and the police, when they are when they receive criticism, a lot of times they sit down and then we've, we've had statements and all the changes. And sometimes they actually make changes. Like, you know, okay, we have to change tack or we have to, um, it's the same thing with uh, about 10 years ago with the kettling uh, during the student uh, union, uh, student fees uh, protests and, uh, a lot of time, for some reason, young people discovered the concept of kettling as if it didn't, it didn't exist before. <laughs> but there was a lot of debate around it. And then the Met, was it Manchester and London separately, they dealt with kettling differently because of that. So sometimes more aggressive, sometimes less aggressive. Uh, but yeah, the BBC just don't, don't even care. It's really, really embarrassing that you know, we still have that in this country. But it is what it is. <laughs> um, Leon, any question? Uh, well, I asked the, the, the main one, I think. Um... Uh, how many people do you think were at the Freedom March, and mm, mm. do you see it? Mm-hmm. Do you see the rise in numbers mm-hmm. as a sign of the the masses waking up and pushing back? Um, because my my biggest concern is that too many people um, are just accepting what's happened, and oh. nobody's pushing back. Um, but yeah. now I'm starting to see it, and I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit hopeful, but. Yeah. So, how many and how many? Yeah, over to you. Uh, Firstly, Tim, you were going to say. Well, uh, I pushed back. I went up to London on Monday and came back on Tuesday. I stopped with a friend uh, and, and met up with a couple of people, mm. and I didn't wear my mask on the train or on the underground. Yeah. And nobody approached me. Oh yeah, they don't. They don't really care anymore. Even the authorities um, yeah, in London. So, so from that perspective, I'm pushing back. Yeah, Good. well, that's the thing. So, uh, and to, to answer uh, what that question, so in terms of the numbers, because uh, uh, we have evidence of uh, a million uh, people march in London uh, before with the, the Iraq war and things like that. So you know what roughly it looks like. So it wasn't a million, uh, but if I were to like roughly estimate, it would definitely be at least around 500K. 
um, or, or, or just which, 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 wow. which, which, which would be huge because previously, um, even the, the, the anti-lockdown campaigners, uh, previous marchers, uh, obviously it's the same thing you do. It's your, it's your propaganda. It's the same with like Trump fans or the Biden fans saying we've got a big crowd. Uh, it's natural. And they were saying we've got the biggest crowd, biggest crowd every time. Uh, but the biggest ones we had, it was probably around 150 to 200,000 people. Uh, and that was like massive. Um, so yes, so it was quite big. And um, the, the reason for that is, uh, I don't think it's necessarily, necessarily new people waking up. Of course, there'll be a few of them joining the, the cause. Um, it's, uh, it's because the Brits, generally speaking, we, we, we don't do protests and we don't, uh, and we, yeah. we are, but the, the, yeah. The, the, yeah, exactly. And the silent majority <laughs> as a concept uh, is, is more re- like uh, relatable here in this country because you know we just don't express opinions like we're not the French we don't want to burn cars every 10 minutes on the streets um, <laughs> and uh, and, and but that's one side of it so it's a lot of people who uh, at home they were thinking it oh I don't like lockdown um, but partly like oh can't be bothered to go to London uh, it's too much effort oh, what's the point of it like, others are going on my behalf and partly you know oh if I go my, my neighbor or my colleague will know and then whatever and that's partly that and then the other one is so there is still a big chunk um who were just uh, agreeable so they just you know went with everything and uh, obeyed uh, regardless of uh, whatever the government did or the who said they would just they would say yes to a lockdown for another five years if they want you know if they asked uh, but then there's there's another chunk that no one really talks about which is the the ones who have either fully obeyed or partly you know obviously they've been like in you know, a reasonable with it a bit of like you know hypocrisy because you know they will still break the rules themselves uh, but generally reasonable but the reason that they are not anti-lockdown and they're not campaigning is because uh, from their perspective they are optimistic and hopeful so they're saying they've been saying for the past m- couple of months that okay we got the roadmap okay the vaccines are going well so uh, I'm basically putting my faith into the future that, you know, it is going to end. It is going to end. Like people like, uh, well, friends of mine, Tom Harwood, Dan Hodges, who on Twitter are basically making everybody else angry. Uh, and then all the anti-lockdown and Julie Hartbrook has a fight with uh, Dan Hodges every day on Twitter. Uh, these people are the ones who are saying that um, uh, just basically anybody who's anti-lockdown is, uh, believes in this paranoia that they want to basically keep us in lockdown forever. Not all lockdown people are like that. Anti-lockdown people are like that. A lot of anti-lockdown people were just afraid of uh, the incompetence. And then they might accidentally extend it again, or as uh, Leon said earlier, keep certain things because they're just not brave enough uh, to, I was going to say, they're not like, they need to man up, man enough, but apparently that's really politically incorrect. Now you can't say man up. Uh, Just brave enough. Brave enough, <laughs> uh, but that's 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 the problem. Um, so there's there's a bit of an inconsistency. But uh, as we saw, well, I knew a number of people who were there for the first time, and they were like big people. Uh, so like Julia Hart Brewer has been very outspoken against the lockdown, but this was the first march that she went to. A lot of the anti-lockdown people, including like myself, the impatience, it happened after the first lockdown. Uh, so first we went with the three weeks to flatten the curve. Then I like they were like okay, another few weeks, another few weeks, and eventually it was like okay. That was annoying, but they're going to end it in June, July. Uh, and then it came back. And then 
all these complicated measures came like the traffic lights the what was that the tier-based systems and oh my god so then i lost my patience like okay this is just it's now based uh, my problem my opposition is not just a philosophy of lockdown or no lockdown it's just the incompetence of mismanagement yeah. and actually yes. it's, that's partly thanks to matt hancock so <laughs> but has, has anybody from uh, sage said anything about matt hancock not personally, but they're, yeah. what they're now doing, they're shifting their positions. Uh, their advice is changing now. I'm like, that's very interesting. But that makes I'd that like to hear their, sci- their scientific appearance, uh, opinion yeah. of, of the tape. Of yeah, the yeah. analyze it. Anal- <laughs> and the likelihood yeah. of the camera being just at that place. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> well, that room, the office is quite big, actually. Um, the, the, the odds are they had to stand in that bit. <laughs> they could have been anywhere else. <laughs> I, yeah, the, the whole thing, uh, there's no... Uh, well, I don't suppose it was ever. Posted. I don't know. It's, it's one of those uh, things that you can never uh, prove. Uh, one of one of those conspiracy theories you can never find the actual evidence for. Uh, but it's, you know, it's going to be interesting. See if it, uh, at any point we'll know. Uh, but thanks, guys, for joining this chat. It was really lovely. And uh, so yeah, I mean, we're going to be doing this uh, this new format uh, every week now. So yeah, I think it's more structured than obviously with chit chat, but also we'll find out more about. You guys, any questions you have? So uh, thanks again, and uh, 